Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, hosted by longtime Northwest sports journalist Dan Viennes. News, reaction, and opinion. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back once again, everybody. This is Seahawks Forever. I am Dan. Happy Blue Friday to all of you out there uh, in Seahawk land. Uh, before we get started, hit the like button, subscribe. Just going to keep pounding the table for that. Uh, really seen some great growth on the channel. Thank you to you. Shot from 886 to 948 as far as subscribers go. Just after yesterday's episode, so close to that next goal of 1,000 subscribers. You can help me get there if you just hit that subscribe button. And it's down in the lower right-hand corner of your screen there, as you can see it as well. Uh, today, today, we're checking in with Coach Carroll. Um, he hasn't spoken to us in a few weeks. And as a result, a lot of things that have happened at OTAs, um, beat writers have been left to speculate about. We haven't heard official confirmation of some injury updates and how some of the young guys are doing and how some of the new guys are acclimating themselves to the culture and to the team. But we got that yesterday, and I thought there were some really interesting little tidbits in here. So I was going to play some sound for you in case you missed that and then also react to some of those things. First and foremost, um, the biggest thing he did is give us an update on Tariq Wollin's injury. And and primarily to downplay it and just reassure us that all the reports that we heard uh, of it only being a four to six week timeline are accurate, that it's a very minor injury. He specifically classified it as a cartilage injury, said it happened despite some reports that it happened while he was walking onto the field. And the, the day some of those things hit Twitter, uh, some of the conspiracy theorists jumped right to, ooh, he, he did something off the field and 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 covered it up until he hit the field. Happened between plays, felt a little tweak in his knee, sat down, rubbed it a little bit, something felt off, and thank goodness he had that kind of self-awareness because a lot of the injuries that we hear about, in baseball in particular, you'll see a lot, this with, a lot of this with pitching injuries. You'll see a guy clearly be struggling, clearly be fighting something in his arm, but he keeps trying to push through it. And then he ends up uh, suffering a much more devastating injury. Just a little bit of a cartilage cleanup. He's walking around looking great. And Pete says there is absolutely no question uh, that he's going to be ready for the start of training camp uh, at the end of July. So that is great news. Um, before I get into some of the sound, just want to let you know some things coming up on the show that have been finalized. You're going to want to join me Monday uh, when Kenneth Arthur is going to be joining me. Uh, you know him, I'm sure, from his days at Field Goals, and he's doing something now that I think is unique, and I think it's a little bit groundbreaking, and I can't wait to talk to him about Seaside Joe, which is his daily newsletter he's been focusing on for the last couple of years, and, the, and he's seen a lot of growth there. Uh, his ability to come up with subject matter on a daily basis is impressive to me, and I want to pick his brain, not just about that particular project, but also what he sees with the Seahawks this offseason heading into training camp and how he feels the team is. So that's Kenneth Arthur uh, joining me on Monday. And then also next week, uh, Sanjit T, the host of the Football Scout YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to have him on, and I'm not going to give this away, but we're going to talk about his excitement over one particular Seahawks day three draft pick 
a certain player that he thinks is going to far outperform his draft slot. And what I really love about Sanji is uh, he does all 22 film. He does breakdowns. He is not a Seahawks fan. He is not specific to the Seahawks. He does the entire league. Yet he pinpointed this one particular player as somebody that he thinks is better than he's getting credit for and really likes what he sees on tape and in particular sees some skills on tape that some of the scouting reports have said he lacks. So I look forward to that. And then two weeks from now, Wednesday the 14th, mark your calendars. Early that afternoon, we're going to wrap up OTAs and get uh, a full look at what we've seen over the last couple of weeks and what we see at mandatory mini camp coming up in a few days, the 6th through the 8th, from the best Seahawks beat reporter out there in the business. Not going to give the name away. I'll let you figure it out. Uh, but he's going to be joining me on the 14th to wrap things up as we head more into training camp. Uh, let's get into what Pete talked about yesterday. And right at the top, I think the biggest question for a lot of people is everyone's excited about the first round draft picks, right? Devin Witherspoon, the corner at pick number five out of Illinois, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, the receiver out of Ohio State at pick number 20. But both of these guys were limited physically at the start of the offseason training program. We knew that JSN uh, had some hamstring injuries in his past. We didn't know that Witherspoon was nursing a hamstring injury of his own coming into offseason workouts. Uh, they've been ramping up slowly. Showed you the video yesterday on the show of JSN making a great little move uh, to catch a deep ball. Um, but I want to start there because that has been at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. This is Pete's update on how those two guys are physically and how close they are to being able to go full speed. You know, Mike had a really good solid year last year. And nope, that's not the right one. What a great way to start off. I've You already know now what I'm going to talk about with my next one. Uh, this is Pete on uh, Devin and JSN. Um, Jackson's, he's he's a little bit ahead of, of Spoon. Um in that, uh, you know, he's doing a little bit more now. Um, Spoon was going to, you saw Jackson had full speed reps today, and, and uh, he's, these guys have been getting all of the walkthrough periods. They've got, they've, they're accumulating tons of plays. Um, it's a big part of, of this format for us. And so those guys are really getting the learning done. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, uh, Spoon, you know, something, it's not quite ready to, to really push it. He's had a ton of work, though. And uh, both these guys have looked great. So Jay is saying a little bit ahead of Devin Witherspoon, but it sounds like Pete Carroll says uh, Witherspoon is just about ready to go full speed. Hopefully we'll be able to see that uh, during that mandatory minicamp when the veterans and rookies all get together and, and have some full speed workouts the 6th through the 8th. Uh, on to the next piece of audio, which you already heard a little bit of a teaser of. Every year during this time, certain guys stand out. And what I enjoy the most are the when the ones that are unexpected kind of jump to the forefront. And this year, it's become evident over the last week to 10 days that that player is Mike Jackson, the cornerback. Um, man, he's a guy, just to recap, he's a guy that was a low-round draft pick out of the University of Miami. The knock on him was not a lot of great straight line speed, not a dynamic athlete, just a really solid player, had the size and length requirements the Seahawks like I liked him coming out of the draft that year he bounced around a little bit and the Seahawks were able to sign him off the streets for nothing and from the day he set foot on the field last year with all the injuries uh, that the Seahawks were dealing with with Artie Burns um, 
and, and some of the other veteran corners, from day one, he just looked the part. He just, some people compared him to Byron Maxwell, but I would say that, that he performed better than Maxwell. That despite his perceived physical shortcomings, guy was just always in the right place, always there in coverage. The thing with Maxwell was he would play so far off guys, hoping to keep plays in front of him and come up and, and make plays on the ball. Jackson seemed much better than that, even downfield. Some guys just play faster than they time. And now with Tariq Woolen going out and some of the inexperience of some of the other corners, Mike has been asked to move over to the right cornerback position for the most part to play in Tariq's place. While Trey Brown, Devin Witherspoon work on the left side, Kobe Bryant works in the slot with Julian Love and some of the other guys. And the impression that Jackson has made has uh, gotten Pete Carroll's attention, also the attention of the beat writers. Because if you read any of the guys that cover the Seahawks, their report of yesterday's workout, all you hear is Mike Jackson. They all say the same thing. You can see it all over Twitter, too. He was making plays on the ball, being disruptive, intercepting balls, deflecting balls. This is Pete's impressions of Mike Jackson and the camp he's had so far. You know, Mike had a really good, solid year last year, and I, I think he's feeling it. I think he's feeling the, the confidence that comes from, you know, what he accomplished last time around. Uh, he played a really solid football season, did a lot of good stuff, and and he comes back and he feels he's in really good shape and he feels great about it. And, and uh, the fact that we drafted a guy, yeah, that, that sends everybody's alert up, you know. And I think as when uh, Tariq, uh, you know, stepped out, um, it was, Mike looked like he said, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta do my stuff here. I gotta take over a little bit here. And he did. Yeah. It brings up an interesting point. I've had it suggested and I've thought of it myself that they're really building some dynamic young depth at the cornerback position. Um, so would that provide them the opportunity to perhaps trade a guy to a team in need for a draft pick next year or a player? at the back end of someone's roster that can help the Seahawks in another position, maybe another defensive lineman, maybe another inside linebacker. Yes, but no, I don't, I don't want to see that. First of all, there's still some questions to be answered, right? We need to see Devin Witherspoon be Devin Witherspoon, make the leap to the pro level, be healthy, be out there every game with his physical style. You have to keep that in consideration. We need, we need to make sure, obviously, that Tariq Woolen comes back as expected and he's healthy and 100%. Trey Brown has a lot to prove. He looked great as a rookie two years ago before the injury, but the injury was significant. Never won that job back last year. Never even really got it, earned himself snaps. And sometimes serious injuries like that, patella tendon injury like he has, they say it takes two full seasons for a guy to really get his explosiveness back. Because he got hurt near the end of the season, right? We've seen guys come back, Jimmy Graham. Uh, we're watching Jamal Adams do it now. Uh, but they were hurt earlier in the year. Um, so he's got something to prove, right? Um, people have said, well, Kobe Bryant gives us some flexibility. He can go outside. I think he's kind of, I think they're committed to keeping him inside. So I don't want to lose that depth because injuries happen. Do not forget. <laughs> And Artie Burns is in the mix too. And the thing I like about Jackson and Burns is they've shown already that they can play both sides in that Seattle scheme. But do not forget that Richard Sherman, his rookie year, only got a chance to play full-time and launch what ended up becoming a surefire Hall of Fame career because Marcus Trufant and Walter Thurman got hurt 
and ended the season on injured reserve. Richard Sherman was the fourth corner going into camp that year uh, behind Byron Maxwell and those guys and only got a chance because of injury. We finally, it was just a couple of years ago that, that depth at corner was an issue. Uh, let's not let's not spend that equity yet until we know these guys can play um, because we may need all of them. One player that I, I feel like has kind of flown under the radar in OTA so far because so much attention has been placed on a couple other players at his position is Ken Walker. And that remarkably, after his great rookie season, he almost seems to be taken for granted. A um, lot of attention paid to Zach Charbonnet taking the second round, bigger, more physical back, and Kenny McIntosh, who most people consider a steal in the seventh round. Jim Nagy said he, they had a third-round grade on him. So that the Seahawks have really, in two years, built a young, deep, dynamic running back group. And, and maybe it's kind of overshadowed the attention given to Ken Walker coming off that rookie season. Remember, he got banged up uh, heading into training camp last year and wasn't able to really get going until week three or four. Um, and it took him getting fully healthy and then Rashad Penny getting injured for him to really show what he could do. But Pete Carroll says he's not overlooking anything and he's not uh, taking anything for granted. And in fact, he's been working exceptionally hard on rounding out his game, especially some of those skills that there were questions about coming out in the draft. He's worked so hard with the receivers and, and, and uh, I mean, he's worked full speed day after day after day. Um, his confidence, his his explosiveness, his quickness, uh, his ability to, to run the routes and catch the ball. Um, he just he's doing everything he can possibly. He's catching punts. He's catching kickoffs. He wants, he's doing everything he can possibly do, and he's having a blast. And uh, his attitude and spirit <clears throat> is just you know uh, such a great compliment to coming off the season that he had. So um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we've got a lot of guys at the spot. You know, we're not going to overuse him in in the early part of the uh, in the preseason and all of that. But uh, he's ready to go, and uh, he's had as good an offseason as you could have. Encouraging, right? Cannot wait to see what they do with that running back running back group going into uh, the preseason when we should see a lot of those guys, a lot of Charbonnet and McIntosh in the preseason. Um, interesting that he mentions kick and punt returns. We're going to touch on that in a moment. Um, another young guy that I'm really glad Pete was asked about. I keep mentioning Tyreek Smith on this show. Fifth round draft pick out of Ohio State last year, edge rusher, uh, a guy that a lot of people thought could really be part of that rotation and be a dynamic pass rusher off the edge. Um, you know, kind of fits the the prototype of the size the Seahawks like and the athletic profile at that position. It was overshadowed by some other players while he was at Ohio State. Immediately got hurt as a rookie and missed his entire rookie season. And I think people have forgotten about him a little bit because the Seahawks added another young player to that group in Derek Hall, pushing Tyreek Smith kind of farther down the line. But one of the things Pete talked about today or yesterday was that there's been some mystery around Alton Robinson, specifically what his injury was last year, how significant it was. He got hurt early in the year. We never saw him. Pete indicated yesterday in a pretty I would almost classify it as a somber tone that Robinson's got an uphill battle and that they don't really know when or if he'll be able to come back. So that presents an opportunity for Tyreek Smith. Um, and, and I have been hearing from guys that cover the team that for 
the year for the entire year that they like this guy. And uh, there's been some question also about the last time Pete talked about Tyreek Smith, he was a little more ambivalent about what he's able to do physically. He was a lot more clear about Tyreek Smith yesterday. A really good quickness, really good understanding of the position. Yeah, we saw him like a day and a half is all we saw. Um, uh, really good quickness. He understands the edge rushing, and, and he, he was really – that's why we drafted him because we thought we saw a, a real special knack to him. Um, he's had a good offseason. We've we really, really made him work hard in the weight room and working on his strength and, uh, and getting physically right. He, he had a, a difficult injury in his, in his hip, and he, but he's back and going now. So he's doing everything. So he's full speed. Really, really good news about Tyreek Smith. Um, really encouraging – because keep in mind, a lot of people think that, um, you know, we might be loaded now at that position with a bunch of dynamic talent, especially adding Derek Hall to it. But Uchenu Nuosu, we all expect the team to be aggressive in trying to sign him to an extension, but he's on an expiring contract. There's no guarantee he'll be back next year. Daryl Taylor's in the last year of his rookie deal. There's no guarantee he'll be back next year. Pete always talks about how you can never have too many pass rushers. They finally have built up a stable of different guys that are all young and all kind of dynamic in different ways. They're going to want to try to keep that group together, but, you know, the salary cap is what the salary cap is. And some of those guys might not perform to the level this year. If Daryl Taylor doesn't have a good year and show that he's better than Boye Mafe or, or Derek Hall, then they might not want to resign. They might let him walk. Uchenna Nwosu might choose to test the free agent market, might ultimately end up pricing himself out of Seattle's range. So a guy like Tyreek Smith, there's value on the roster in a younger guy that you can be developing with an eye two or three years down the road. So really good to hear that he's, he's full speed and ready to go and hopefully show what he can do. Um, yesterday on the Q&A show, I was asked which undrafted free agents I thought would make the team. And I kind of deferred because I need to see more. And I need to hear more. And one guy that I didn't mention was Jake Bobo out of UCLA. And he's somebody that from the day all the names came out, um, got a lot of attention. Chip Kelly went on local radio here as coach at UCLA and raved about him. Uh, he's a big, tall receiver. And the knock on him is he doesn't, he's not fast. I think he timed like a four, seven in the 40. In fact, some scouts our scouting reports have suggested that he add 30 or 40 pounds and become a move tight end. Um, Seahawks haven't committed to that yet. They are playing him at wide receiver, but he was a guy that has stood out enough that when, uh, when he was asked about it yesterday, Pete Carroll didn't just, didn't just shrug it off, said that Bobo has definitely made an impression. Jake has showed up. Yeah. You know, we heard he was a great, what they, you know, uh, Chip talked about was a great practice player and uh, in particular stood out. He's that he's done that. Yeah, he's been making plays. He's got some guys that are uh, cheerleading. I think uh, the Chad Morton cheerleading crew is all over uh, the Jake Bobo show right now. So um, it's been fun. He's, he's done a nice job. He does make things happen. He's a really uh, good target, you know, a big kid. Could really offer the Seahawks something they don't have, that big, tall red zone target at the wide receiver position. Remember, the Seahawks have sometimes opened uh, the season with their 53-man roster with six wide receivers. Um, right now, the last guy on that bubble would probably be Cody Thompson, a player that had an outstanding camp last year before he got hurt. The team has really liked him. Um, but he's more of a possession guy, six, one, I think, uh, Bobo could be a real, a real weapon and somebody that would give you the option if you wanted to kind of 
transition him and evolve him into a tight end type. So interesting to hear Carol's comments about him yesterday, uh, early in OTAs. And then so much focus is on the young guys, the, the biggest undrafted free agent class ever in Seahawks history, 28 guys, a big universally lauded rookie class that everyone's excited about. Kind of lost in the shuffles. In fact, the Seahawks went out for the first time in the Schneider and Carroll regime and paid big money to bring in a free agent at a position of need in the prime of his career. Paid $51 million to get Draymond Jones from the Denver Broncos. Hasn't been a lot of talk about him. He's been there. How's he looked? How's he looked, Coach? It's been smooth as can be. And really, the, <clears throat> the learning and the, the concepts and the principles of stuff um, that we're doing, and we're learning him too because we want to, He's got special talents. We want to make sure and, and accent him and, and use him. Uh, we're learning that as we go. Uh, he's been really consistent about everything, so he's, he's been really solid. Great to hear. Uh, final point, and this this will uh, please some of you. Uh, I always appreciate when I have an opportunity to say that I was wrong about something. But I just talked yesterday about. I was asked about the new kickoff rule where teams can now uh, fair catch any ball inside the 25 and the ball will come out to the 25. And I speculated that maybe it was sort of the beginning of the end and that maybe it was the next step towards kickoffs disappearing and that we were going to see uh, that come out of the game and that potentially teams could even use that extra roster spot uh, for depth in, at another position and not have to worry about carrying um, a return guy. Um, there was a story yesterday, uh, let me pull it up real quick. I screenshotted this, um, about all of the different guys. Uh, this is Bob Condota reporting all the different players that took turns receiving punts or kicks, uh, yesterday during the special team session, D Eskridge, Kenneth Walker. There we go. Aesop Winston, go kooks. Tyjon Lindsay, uh, just recently signed. Montre Broswell, DJ Dallas, and Jackson Smith in Jigba. I don't know if he ever returned punts at Ohio State, but with his short area quickness, you could certainly see it. So that would seem to indicate that the Seahawks still have their eyes on opportunities to return kicks, and that's kind of what Carroll said when he was asked about it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna compete with it. You know, we're gonna use it to our advantage, and we're we're pretty good in those in those areas. And we, you know, we like to think like you know we can we, we're a good return team, and we can make things happen. Um, so it just it'll depend. I think it'll you'll see an effect uh, during the course of the season. You know, as the weather changes and stuff like that. Uh, we'll figure. I, I don't think it's gonna be that dramatic a change. I think teams are gonna want to compete and want to bring the ball out. That's that's really all it is. Are you gonna take it to twenty five or not? And uh, so. We'll compete with it and see how we look and see if our, our core group can, you know, can continue to give us good work like we always count on. And we'll, I'm not thinking we're taking a knee on everything now. We're, we're going to be very aggressive about it. He did go on to say that he thinks that some teams may try squibbing the ball uh, more often to uh, encourage runbacks and prevent teams from fair catching inside the 25. Uh, but he acknowledged that the, the issue with that is sometimes you can – you can squib it off the the front the front line guys and end up really flipping field position in a negative way. Um, and then he also said he thinks too much is being made of it. So uh, for now, anyway, I will admit that I was wrong about how they're going to approach that, and they're going to at least still try to be aggressive in bringing the ball out. 
uh, that's going to do it. Just wanted to check in and kind of uh, update you. It's been a while since we've heard from Coach. Um, I would assume that we'll hear from him again after mandatory minicamp next weekend. Again, remember to join me Monday for my interview with Kenneth Arthur. Please subscribe to the show and help us get to 1,000. We are so close. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the audio version of the show on whichever podcast app you prefer You prefer, so that you, you can listen to the show anywhere or anytime you like. Until next time, I am Dan. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Blue Friday once again. Thank you for listening to Seahawks Forever and Go Hawks. Go Hawks.